Welcome, everyone, to the latest, greatest episode of the Network Age. I am Mitchell Ritson, here, as always, with my handsome co-hosts, Nil Run Mardux and Hapsel Rigner. Boys, how are you doing today? Hey, doing real well. Doing great, thanks. And we're about to be doing even better, because we are going to be joined by an excellent uh, developer and interesting man, Yuri of Portal, which is a discovery app working on Urbit right now, and it's it's one of the more interesting projects in the space. So I'm I'm really looking forward to getting a chance to talk with him. Yeah, I mean, I think Urbit was really just missing that landing page and that kind of that first onboarding experience. Um, and you know, I'd been I'd written a blog actually about like how to use Urbit before and portal just makes it seamless you know like that's that's the great thing about portal is it makes it really easy to onboard new users and it also has just made it more fun to discover content you know i had rumors one of like the few apps i was using but like you know it it was all just kind of funky rumors and sometimes i just want something practical <laughs> like what's actually happening you know and I think we're also going to get into Bitchell's ear problems um, and mine as well. So you're going to find out a lot. Our listeners are going to find out a lot about the host that they possibly didn't want to know. In yeah, this we've got all kinds of the normal tech stuff, all of the interesting network age content, and uh, some some health problems that some very handsome but aging gentlemen are going through. <laughs> so uh, thank you for being here, and we'll we'll get to the conversation in just a second. All right. Welcome back to the Network Age. We're here with Yuri, Chief Hooner at Portal. Yuri, welcome. How are you doing? Uh, thank you. I'm doing pretty good. Great, great. And so can you talk a little bit about how you got to this momentous step of being on the Network Age? Like, How did you get involved <laughs> with peer-to-peer -peer computing, the future? Yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, God. Okay. Well, it, it all starts from a deep-seated hatred for Web2 social media. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, like, a few years ago, I guess I went down this rabbit hole of, like, figuring out how social media horribly influences, you know, mental health of people, and just, like, watching mm. people, like, people my age and younger than me just being obsessed over their phones, and just like seeing in real time, like their brains got rot. Basically, like like something felt very, very, very bad about it. Yeah. And so realizing that this is sort of an incentive problem, and and one way to think about it is that it's a uh, a problem caused by software architecture. It, I mean, this is only one angle, right? And, and like that angle appealed to me a lot. And this is sort of what Urbit promised to me, basically. Mm. And by incentives, you mean that the creator of the social media gets paid for how much time you spend on it, not through any other medium. Is that what you mean by incentive problem? Uh, yes, that's, that's one big part of it. And another is like the idea that uh, software is, you know, a ball of mud which is what Urbit sort of taught me. And that like, it's very hard to build large scale applications. And so 
they end up being built by like large corporations that rather than like you know independent devs and mm. these large corporations are then you know farming your engagement basically yeah i think that this was a sort of animating idea for a lot of people in this community the the revelation that there is something inherent in the tech stack in the actual tools we use to interact with each other that totally vacuum out our our mental energy our creativity and it's there's a point where just exercising willpower or sort of behaving the right way runs up against this giant wall of um, corporate and technological power that is pretty difficult for any individual to resist and i think it it's it's interesting for me like i i feel that way as someone who is not super technical who who has some luddism and and frequently wants to just run away to the forest and shut off my computer forever but you know you're a programmer you're a technical guy so i'm i'm wondering how do you sort of square that circle like an interest in technology an interest in development and this also understanding that it can be a corrupting force as well well that's a big question i mean i don't know like <laughs> thank you <laughs> um i did like you know uh think about that a lot and like you know just like having the like a job opportunity of something which i may consider like you know amoral and yet lucrative is like what <laughs> what, what like puts you in a in a very weird position and something to wrestle with but like that's, that's why we're all here mm-hmm. on the network age lucrative this is the only and, thing we believe in lucrative oh, and morally questionable <laughs> you're getting paid i'm i'm here because this is, yeah, this is the getting, only morally righteous thing to do elon musk is paying me for every tweet yeah yeah, exactly. Exactly. We, we are trying to do the morally righteous thing here, boys. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, the, does so you're obviously working on Portal now, and I'd like to uh, get you know get into the nitty gritty of that. But does is this this idea, this sort of moral conundrum, one of the things that you know led you to like peer-to-peer computing and urbit and trying to build a, a system that delivers you know the bytes into our head in a different manner yes like like one more sort of thing which compelled me a lot was uh hearing a guy called daniel schmachtenberger talk about like social downstream consequences of these algorithms um meaning that like they optimize for you know aggression and argumentativeness which would maximize your engagement and so social level consensus is much harder to form and it like completely leads to like bifurcate bifurcation of how people you know uh have political views etc and so like seeing how upstream this software thing is of like not just you know uh people's mental problems but also like social level like society-wide things was extremely motivating for me and so like just trying to like i was i was at the point where i was just like okay i don't know what to do with my life i want to let's try figure out how to build a startup and then i and then i stumbled upon urbit and it just felt like you know 
oh, this thing is literally like, if this thing ever succeeds, it's literally the answer to like all these things. Because if, if tech is so upstream of everything, then let's just build better in inherently democratic tech, basically. And inherently democratic is not what um, most of Hacker News thinks of Urbit, though. <laughs> That's so, true. That's true. <laughs> in, in what way is uh, Urbit actually um, democratic, though? Is it in, in the sense that um, we're we're uh, no longer trying to get you to argue with your um, weird old aunt about Donald Trump over Facebook, or yeah, dude, I don't have a good answer to this question, but. Basically, I think it allows you to uh, own your data um, and like that's the, the idea, right? And to build stuff on top and to coordinate socially in ways which you control. Because if there's like this underlying algorithm which you have no control over, which coordinates your social interaction uh, with the rest of society, that can lead to many weird things. And so being able to control like the underlying algorithm let's say and like own the data upon which it runs promises at least promises and and this is one of the motivations for portal as well is like to like you know have this algorithm which you can control and which then downstream influences your interaction with the world so you did have a good answer in, in fact just, yeah, I just took a second. <laughs> and so maybe this is the right time to jump into um, what Portal is, how it started its development, and, and maybe eventually where it's going. So uh, Portal is sort of, you know, the maybe the the homepage of Urbit it wants to be, the, the way into this community, and perhaps more broadly speaking, it's a an application for engaging this type of computing system that is maybe a little bit more in control of the user, more democratized, um, has more space for a sort of natural interpersonal development. Well, yeah, like that's the ideal. Now, I wouldn't say like we are there yet in, in any way, and I can describe you the, the challenges along the way. But like, so, so what portal is, is the idea is it's a place on Urbit where you can discover content and it's sort of a public facing app on Urbit because a lot of apps on Urbit are like private facing, right? You have groups, which is sort of the, the main app of Urbit and they're like, um, like they're basically private. And so we want to have something of like a public square, let's say, where people can sort of think globally about Urbit, I guess. It, it kind of, it, sorry, it kind of like, uh, I, I guess if I were to describe it, it's like Urbit has a discovery problem built in. Like we want it to have a discovery problem, right? But because it has a discovery problem, that sort of like cries out for some answer to fix it. And Portal is sort of like an answer to fix the discovery problem. Yeah, that's, that's very fair. And that's sort of our very first um, iteration of Portal it was solving the discovery problem and like was solving onboarding. Like we realized when, you know, new people come to Urbit, it's just completely empty. And so 
there needs to be a way for them to find stuff on Orbit. And we sort of solved that. And then the feed, which is now the main feature of Portal, uh, it, at that point in time was just like a random thing we were going, we slept on for fun. And it turned out to like lead us in a completely different direction. Mm. And how is this feed different from like a Facebook feed? Well, okay. So I can go and nerd out on how it actually works in terms of who owns the data, because every post on that feed is hosted by the person who posted it. Right. Um, hmm. And so we do keep like a centralized ship, which indexes all the posts. But then when you go see the post, you actually uh, go to the owner of that post. And like in the future, one of the ideas could be that you can have multiple indexers, which index the, these posts differently, right? And you can like uh, basically have different types of feeds and you cannot be censored, which is another big feature. Mm. And so right now you, you have one algorithm that decides the feed, but in the future you could potentially have like an algorithm, people could pick their own algorithms that would pull from that index. Is that right? Yes. I mean, it's, it's not an algorithm. It's basically all posts on a uh, reverse chronological order. Okay. Which works today Do well, I guess maybe talk a little bit about that, about like, um, the size of Urbit. Cause like, would, that wouldn't really work on Facebook as well. You know, if I have like 3000 Facebook friends just seeing that it might be too cluttered. So can you speak a little bit about like, I don't know, how many, how many users does portal have today? And how do you see that kind of portal scaling with the number of users, um, like with more users than joining later? Yeah, I mean, um, I guess it's three to 500 daily or weekly actives is hmm. less than that. And yeah, the, the, like the scaling problem is like one of the sort of main problems because like, um, since Urbit has, you know, if a few thousand users, um, according to the, the graphics, like that's nowhere near enough for us to make a legitimate business out of it. And so we have to figure out ways to get people from outside of Urbit into Urbit. And this was like basically a major, like existential crisis for us because we were just like building something which we thought people in Urbit need. And then we suddenly realized, oh, like this is not enough. We have to build actually something which is enough for people outside of Urbit. And this completely like changed how we think about stuff because now we have to build something which is compelling for itself and not just for Urbit ideologues, basically. And do you think that you have found any sex movie uh, success. I said sex. <laughs> I guess I'm asking if this. Have you this, found this any project, sex, Yuri? Yeah. Well, has this project really turned you into, uh, you know, a ladies' man? Is what uh, I'm wondering. This, the success of this. Well, um, um... <laughs> yeah. Uh, sex aside, Yuri, you're always bringing up sex every time I talk to you. It's it's entirely unprofessional. Well, um, I'm leaving. I'm leaving this in uh, the okay. episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Have you, have you, do you feel like you've um, had any success pivoting in this direction or is this still just something that you guys are thinking about or discussing or are you 
really trying to aim to bring people into this ecosystem or, or what is your thinking at now? Well, so one clear path to doing this is integrating with, with like existing Web3 social media like Farcaster or Blue Sky. And we're like currently looking into which ones are the best options. But like it's entirely feasible to uh, take their feeds and like plug them into our feed and have people on Urbit post there and vice versa and sort of have, you know, like the Urbit ideology spread like jihad over Farcaster, let's say. Like on a technical level, is there any difficulty in integrating a system like Farcaster into this sort of unwieldy peer-to-peer network that has some central forces, but obviously by its nature is a, a bit sprawling and hard to corral? Like, can you can you make these systems play nice with each other? Oh yeah, like of course there's a, a like a, a solid difficulty there. I mean, like initially our like our original vision was just to build you know like a Web three social network on Urbit and like a content protocol, and then you can have like custom algorithms and everyone building on it, and this like wonderful beautiful world of devs and people and everything, but we realized like there's just not enough people. And so if we want to do something compelling, we have to like bite the bullet and like figure out a way to get people. Like there's the only way, like network effects basically become a bottleneck to anything technical being becoming meaningful. And so we have to overcome technical challenges to get network effects basically. As Portal thinks about expanding its reach beyond Urbit, um, the original model, right, of being like the front door to Urbit, the portal to Urbit is less applicable. Do you think that what might appeal to people in the larger Web3 universe is is about content curation and like decentralized um, like f- feeds and discoverability in this sort of more um, democratized manner outside the grips of the algorithm? Oh, yeah, like for sure, because there's already a lot of understanding of that and movement in Web3 in that direction. And I do think there's a lot of interest in Urbit as well. Uh, it's just that it's like too much friction. What is and, it? Yeah, uh, sorry. Like, what is that? Uh, why Why isn't, why don't we have 100,000 daily active users? What is the friction now? I mean, we have hosting. What do you, what do you think is the, the friction towards or against, you know, 250,000, a million daily active users? I would say one, clunkiness, and two, not enough compelling products. <laughs> oh, just just two small things then. It doesn't work and there's not stuff. <laughs> it doesn't work and there's nothing to do. Okay, it's, <laughs> that's, that's yeah. tough. No, but I mean, like, why is it like? How is it clunky now? I, I mean, I'm, I'm on it every day, uh, and I think I use it less frequently than I did before. But the reason I use it every day, I think, is just community that's been around for like four years or so. But um, yeah, I can't, I can't get anybody to stick. I suppose like when I get people to come check out Urbit, they're like, okay, this is great. But um, well, they don't, they don't even say this is great. Like people either really get it and get really into it. And that's like one in a hundred, uh, or they are like, I can do this on Telegram. You know what I mean? 
Like yeah, everything, I, everything I would use Urbit for, I can just do with Telegram much more easily. Yeah, basically. And so the question is, what does, you know, P2P computing personal servers actually give us which we want? And I think one of the answers could be owning our data and owning our algorithms and owning our social like coordination in interesting ways. But this has to be like in the public arena rather than private because like private, it's all the same. Like nobody sort of interferes with it. While in the public arena, there is like real interference with like social coordination, basically. I think the the issue is if if you're driven by um, like this sort of ideological thing, like like we, you know, I want to own my data. I care about privacy. You know, you're perhaps you're a zealot on these issues. Then maybe a system like Urbit or another peer-to-peer -peer operating system appeals to you and like you're able to stick with through something clunky because you care so much about those issues, but that's never going to get you to 250,000, a million users, right? If for something to outcompete web two, it needs to be lightning quick. It needs to have complete parity. And then someone, maybe you're looking to get people to shift because they think, oh yeah, abstractly, it would be better, right? It seems that the real explosion is is super limited by just functionality, by by clunkiness, by it not giving you the smooth feel of Web two. Yeah, you can you can like uh, if you make it as smooth an experience as like Telegram or Signal or whatever to install and zero maintenance, then you can sort of like bite around the edges, you know, marketing wise by saying like. Yeah, we also give you the the thing that we have that they don't is that you own all your own data and it's peer to peer and stuff like that. But it's not like a sufficient. It doesn't seem to be a sufficient selling point for anybody, uh, or well, except for zealots, as you say. Except for all of us, right? <laughs> yeah, I wonder what the market size of the zealots is. You know, we got like a decent sense of that in Bitcoin, like the number of people that just are all in on sound money, and you know, don't really care. They seem to have gotten most to the libertarians, whereas Urbit's gotten kind of like a, I don't know, a very different group of people, like a little bit more interesting people, frankly. Um, but it seems, you know, smaller. It seems like a smaller number of people who are, you know, very fanatical about these exact values. I mean, you yeah, can there's... make money on Bitcoin. You cannot on Urbit. That's I mean, true. at least <laughs> that, yeah that's an that's an issue i guess if people the people would be here if they were making money on it right that's like the sort of uh you know that that truth shows up in time right if, if it, you had that option i guess that i wonder like the, I, I do think the ideological argument appeals to a lot of people when i explain urbit to people in pretty simple terms without without having to get into you know, what they actually have to do to get on the network and use it. I think it does excite people, or at the very least, they're interested in see why it's a good idea. And I think that's something like Portal would really uh, appeal to people. You know, I, I, the, what you described at the beginning of our conversation about just seeing <laughs> minds get totally warped by, by their social feeds and, and by the algorithms, it's not like people don't know this is happening, even when it's happening to it to them right like most smart people are aware of the ways in which they're being manipulated they 
many of them would say that they would like to spend less time on social media or have more control of the way they spend their time. It's just a question of can we actually or or portal eventually provide that alternative that they're looking for. I do think that people are really aching for something different. Maybe maybe I'm just being a little little naive, but I think I think there is a real desire for um, some sort of uh, escape pod out of this universe. Well, yes and no. And if you would allow me to go into um, weird psychoanalytic ideas. Oh, please. Uh, yeah, definitely. Are you going to put us all on the couch? Uh, nah, don't worry. Um, it's like there's this idea that um, the use of social media doesn't, you know, uh, make us worse, but reveals what is already like um, base and like not profound inside us. And maybe what if this is, you know, what we unconsciously really want and just being stuck to my phone is maybe what my unconscious wants. And there is not like, it's not easy to fight that impulse. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Like I, I, I want, so, so I know when I'm doing stuff that I, that's not good for me, like spending, you know, an hour flipping through YouTube short videos or whatever, or TikToks or Twitter. And I, and I know that the algorithm controls my behavior to some extent. And I, um, but I'm okay with an algorithm controlling my behavior if it's something that I kind of signed up for. Like if I can get an algorithm to instead make me go run or say something, you know, nice to my kids or go lift, I, I like I'm okay with, with um, sort of like offloading some of my, some of my mental, um, managerial skill to somebody else making me do manipulating me as long as i'm being manipulated to do something you know healthy but what i'm being manipulated to do instead is like write tweets that i can get 50 likes on uh for the Dude, serotonin that's that's a lot of likes that's a good number it's <laughs> a really good number right there <laughs> yeah well you should feel good about 50 yeah uh, so uh, now I'm now the the heroin addicts are are chiming in Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, given the choice between these two things, uh, most people and probably you and me would still choose the addictive one. Yeah, like this is this is like the hard thing to digest, I guess. I was uh, talking, having a big discussion about AI with a friend who is um, even more uh, of a luddite than than me, and. I was sort of making, she was talking about all this uh, time that people spend on their phone and on social media and all these things, yada, yada. And I was making the pitch for an AI that you, you have subtly manipulate uh, you to spend less time on the phone by giving you a shitty feed, by helping you break your addiction, by making the stuff you encounter online uh, too boring and like, like subtly manipulate the way I spend my time here. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Like I, maybe that's it the, just, it just gives you Lex Friedman podcasts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Honestly, but, careful. He's approach. a big, he's a big listener of the pod. <laughs> I think we're going to get him on uh, next week. Probably um, <laughs> not anymore. Yeah. I started using one screen Zen that basically just like forces you to like wait 10 seconds before opening an app of that. You like decide to block. 
And so you have to like sit there for 10 seconds and just be oh, like, that's smart. this feels really retarded to actually have <laughs> yeah, to wait. Yeah. That's <laughs> but good. it, it kind of works. Here's my uh, solution. Um, no content. We ban content uh, totally. And, content uh, makers will be shot. Yeah. And um, that actually also solves your discovery, discoverability good luck, Justin Murphy. theory. There's, um, there's, if there's no content to discover, you, you, your problem is solved. And then portal can just be like a, a feed of, um, of waves receding and some, and some nice music. It's a meditation app now. I think, thought, I think thought, you might thought, thought pivot. <laughs> that, that's a good pivot meditation app. Yeah. With web three somehow. Oh, uh, web three meditation apps. For sure. Yeah. 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 That's on a, coming for on sure. the blockchain so that we can get some money. But I'm going to Google with web AI. three minute. I'm going to Google Web3 Meditation app and see what I get. This is riveting content, I'm sure. Um, we can do an hour of watching, uh, listening. Zenbase. I wonder if we can get anyone from Zenbase on uh, on the show. Um, so, well, do you feel then, Yuri, like, aside from network effects, what are the other challenges that Portal is coming across? and what And what do you think have been, like, the big successes also? Because, you know, Portal's cool. It works. Like a lot of it's, um, it seems like a lot, you've achieved a lot of your first goals and, and the question is sort of where, where it turns. Yeah, there's like, there's some good things we've achieved. There are some difficulties. Um, one thing which I really like is how simple it was to implement app sales on Portal. Um, it just took us like a week. And I'm really not sure why no one on Urbit has done it yet. And like, I really hope, hope people on Urbit start selling apps because that would be really fun. Can you explain how it works? Oh, okay. So the person who sells an app makes an app. Uh, they install Portal App Publisher and they put in, put in their ETH address and they basically show it on Portal and then when you stumble upon it on portal, you can just click install. Uh, it takes you to your like MetaMask. You make the transaction and you get the app. Like it's it's pretty like like pretty good except for like you know some herbity clunkiness. Um, it it works. So it, this is on the honor system then I guess right because you can pretty much just in, install a desk on your machine if you got the code from somebody. Well, so there's like permissions in Clay, the Urbit like revision control file system thing. And so we can just make it not, we can just only let people who paid install the app. And yeah, so that's one recent feature. And another is tipping. So if someone says something you like, you can now give them money on Portal. Is this like Ethereum L1 though? Yes. So it is a bit of a expensive for gas fees. Are you thinking about um, integrating any other payment systems? I mean, if we could integrate, you know, just just regular USD payments, uh, either with Tyrell or even we could try Stripe. So, like, there's options for that. Not really on the roadmap right now, because I think most people on Urbit are using ETH. So, then what? Uh, what is sort of like? next on the roadmap like what are you guys currently working on and what do you hope to turn out in the near future yeah well one thing which i like is soon with uh, urbit's 412 kelvin release 
we will be able to show our stuff to the clear web finally. And so you can actually use your Urbit as a server and not like an enclosed cave, which only certain people can come in. And so we can like um, basically show portal to the outside world. And I'm really excited about that. What is and what then? Is, oh, sorry. Uh, what's what's four twelve adding that allows us to um, use it as a server? Anyone can uh, come on your you know thing you publish, and they can log in as a comet or as a planet. And so, if they just sort of quote unquote log in as a comet, is basically just a random session, random person looking at your orbit. And so now you can just publish anything from Urbit and have people actually like send pokes and do actions on your like app, which is cool. So people from the outside are now able to interact with your Urbit, which was not really like feasible previously. Yeah. And then another thing which we are looking into currently and which actually seems decently promising is AI curation. So like, with the idea of me wanting to have a custom feed using AI to tell it like, Hey, um, show me more posts from this person, or I want to see posts about this topic, or I want to see posts, which will make me more productive. And something like that is actually feasible, you know, with a little help of like web two tech. And we're sort of excited to build that. I mean, that's a pretty interesting idea. I think like an out building, I guess this really is what we discussed earlier. The, the promise of something like Herbert is creating your own algorithm, right? Because obviously, you know, re chronological order or reverse chronological order is not the perfect way to experience content or, or social, right? And it's, it's what works now and it's the escape we have now. But being able to actually make specific asks for the types of things that you're interested in is like the ideal version of something like this, right? Um, so what what are the technical hurdles that, that remain to implement that? Um, and what what do you what has made you feel like this is a promising promising opportunity? Well, so um, the technical hurdle is integrating that with Urbit um, because like there is no way an AI or a vector database, which is something which we will likely use is currently feasible on Urbit. And so doing like an ad hoc web two thingy, uh, which does all the filtering of content, et cetera, and like funnel funneling that um, is sort of what we'll do, but I forgot your question. Can you remind me? I, I spent a while talking about why I think that's a good idea. And I was just asking how it's going. Like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, yeah, like, like it does look promising. It does look promising. Um, and I'm really not sure if it, if something like that has been done already. Like I haven't stumbled upon like something where I can customize my feed. And it looks like it can be done for honestly not too big of a cost. Well, it's funny you say stumbled upon because I was I was saying the first thing that this made me think of was something like stumbled upon. Did you ever use that website back in the day? It was a early mm. internet discovery tool. What, what do you mean by back in the day? 
I don't know. is very old. And this is yeah, a not, very old I'm, website. I'm incredibly vital and young and <laughs> uh, brimming with enthusiasm for the world. When was this big? Like 2008? I feel seven? like it's even earlier than that, maybe, but I could be wrong. Yeah, uh, I don't. I can't remember if uh, Stumbled Upon had any um, customization options, or if it if it like learned about you, or if it was just totally random. Do you remember Hapsol? I don't really remember. I think that what happened was like whatever was hot. Like if you hit the if you kind of like hit the right button, it would show you the next thing that's hot. So I don't think the algorithm was particularly um, robust in that way. I think it was just like mm -hmm. what. There may have been some of like, okay, you like that, so you'll like this. But I, I seem to recall it's just like whatever is most yeah. interesting in the world today. But it was like a sort of total internet discovery tool. That's yeah. the idea. I and think I, that you was... could choose maybe like uh, I'm into technology or something like that. Or maybe even mm -hmm. the algorithm knew that you're into technology. Uh, I just don't remember it being super robust algorithm. Or res like responsive or customizable. yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's old, um, it's old Web two tech from for old guys for people who are very old. Super yeah, old. but you know, it was it was uh, basically it was next to the grave. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> uh, I'm ha man. This this is a total uh, aside. I, I'm feeling old. This is the big secret I've been I've been keeping from you all on this. But I'm I'm half deaf in one ear right now because um, of an unbelievable earwax jam. That I that uh, I had I mean having to go to a specialist to remove the wax Jesus. and uh, I it's it's been a, an incredible ordeal of people prodding around in my ears and removing the filthiest gunk you can imagine um, and one I'm I'm sure everyone listening is really glad to hear this too yeah, thanks, it made me feel sharing. unbelievably old this felt like such an old man problem I couldn't believe it um, so I hope that when you're using the new portal AI curation feed. I'm sure that I'm being listened to and it'll send me a lot of ear stuff. A lot of earwax it's, removal. It's tips. funny. My, my ear thing is not gross like yours. And let me tell you, it is gross. Um, mm -hmm. And you should feel deeply ashamed. I, I, I do. <laughs> but I have a hyperacusis um, from the Marine Corps, which is like... Uh, what, is it, what does that mean? Yeah. So my cochlea got damaged from too much... Um, too much... Lag. Bangs? Yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, I got banged too much in the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so there's too many loud bangs uh, in the Marine Corps, shooting things and things blowing up and stuff like that, and people shouting in my ear predominantly. It's actually from boot camp. Like you have some guy who's this is a drill instructor who's angry at you, so he comes and shouts in your ear directly. Um, and uh, yeah, now I now any loud like I have yeah hyperacusis means like super hearing basically, and so like a, <laughs> you're a superhero. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can hear like anything across the room, but the thing is, everything is incredibly painful, like any loud sounds and especially certain, certain frequencies are extremely painful. Like I can't, um, I can't listen to a fork touch a plate, you know, when people are eating, it just, drag, that sound. yeah, that sound, it's like that frequency. Um, and I hate to say it because I'm going to get like hate mail, but also women, um, I just all women, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to, uh, this is like, oh yeah, babe, I totally have hyperacusis. Yeah, uh, totally. <laughs> well, I'm doing a real, <laughs> real disease. I'm doing a service to to all the men listening, you know, in case you need to um, like come up with an excuse. But no, it's not like a, a nice, pleasant woman voice conversation. Like I have a normal conversation with my wife. It's like you know, like when women get together at a party and get really loud and high pitched, 
you know, and it keeps getting higher and higher because they're laughing and stuff like that. Like it'll drive, well, you know, drives me uh, out of port- Portal can fix this. Yeah, just so we don't want too much of a tangent. Yeah, portal fix or this. A, a portal can fix this by giving you a perfectly cure, giving your your wife and her friends a perfectly curated feed, yeah. such that they they don't need to talk to each other. Or I could anything. get a perfectly, actually, I could get a perfectly curated feed of women in my life, so that I never have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, we may be coming up with algorithm come out. We may be coming up with product ideas for you, Yuri. Yeah, um, I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> next thing is wax algorithms. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, so okay, I guess we should probably uh, get back on track. We should probably talk about um, network age stuff. Yeah. So what is what has your experience been like? Just in general, developing on Urbit, and like we, you know, we know developers who are love certain things about developing on Urbit. They can make and distribute certain applications so quickly. And obviously there is a ton of challenges that come with working on a system like this as well. Like, have you found it to be like a, a positive experience that's, you know, reinvigorated you or is, or some of the challenges make it more frustrating than working on, on other systems? And, and I guess, how do you anticipate this changing in the future as Urbit continues to develop? Well, for for context, I didn't have much experience prior to Urbit. Like, I did one part-time time job programming, some small thingy, and that's about it. So coming to Urbit and building stuff on Urbit was you're like you're a first. native Hooner. Not native per se. I do have some experience building stuff, but mm-hmm. like nothing which would. I would be like, hey, I'm a programmer. Like real programming and building systems was first time on Urbit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, like I found it incredibly rewarding uh, being able to, you know, just plug in a few things after a lot of frustration, but still able to plug in things and just make things work. It was amazing. Um, but, you know, as soon as we started having an app, which like, you know, a few hundred people use, and then doing updates over the network and then something doesn't work like that entire process i did find like stressful and then like you know urbit core does something and then we're like yes new feature like remote scry and then we like build everything with remote scry push it to the network turns out for some reason remote scry doesn't work on on the live network and it's like those things made me frustrated but also like it's incredibly fun but I can't really compare it to building on the outside world. So it was it was good when, or it is good, maybe like when you're sort of toying around with Urbit and you can just share an app very easily with friends, but like large production-ready code, maybe Urbit is not so ready for. I mean, it works. Like, it works. It just, it's just having the ground shift underneath you is a bit frustrating, so is what I'm saying. So what, what would it be then to like... Uh, fix the ground from shifting beneath you is it is it that they uh, require more tools like i mean test like a a testing suite or uh what i guess what is the fix how do how how do we fix urbit so that um large companies can build on it and not feel the the pain i mean like one part of it is and which I do think that the UF is very aware of this, is just having a much more 
thorough testing process before releasing uh, breaking changes, basically. And I think they're they're doing a better job of it now. And like I think it's it's moving in the right direction. But like you know, it's it's still a system in development. Like you, I don't think you can really expect it to be like fully stable. Like I I think with any system you encounter issues like this. What's your sense though of like where they are, maybe on some roadmap that we can totally make up? Uh, where are they on that roadmap toward? Um, being something that like other large companies would want to build on? Um, well, I have no idea, but you know, if it was three to five years, maybe, or I mean, yeah, I hope like within three to five years, like Urbit gets to a state where it's like very, very comfortable to build on. Well, Yuri, but before we, we release you, um, I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about what in this space you're really excited about and, and what you feel optimistic about. This could be Portal or, or any project you're working on or just something that's that's going on here. Because I know you, you got into this space with a lot of optimism, a desire to, to make something new. So what's what's grabbing your attention? What do you feel good about these days? I mean, this is unrelated to Portal, but I find it incredibly exciting is what Zorp is doing, like building stuff on Knock. Um, mm -hmm. Like the idea that they as a small company of like five people can compete with, you know, large ZK prover companies with large software just because they're building on Knock. I find that incredibly interesting. And and these you've probably seen these on twitter like recent discussions about urbit and plunder and plunder being like doubling down on like being a more autistic version of urbit and just saying, <laughs> <laughs> like, no <laughs> like no urbit did everything wrong we're gonna we're gonna take even more time for everything and just like build it even more from scratch and there's something about it which tickles my fancy and which I find compelling. Now, I, I will definitely not go build stuff on Plunder, but I do like, you know, the the competition of autistic software, basically. <laughs> yeah, to the to the moon, as they say. It's a space race, right? Twenty um, more twenty more years, boys. To new Mars. Yeah, and uh, well, we for for those listening, make sure and go and check out our. Um, interview with Logan Allen of Zorp, who is a totally fascinating guy. And I think motivated by some really interesting desires that have, have come that are related to what we've talked about today, about the way that the life can be downstream of, of the tech stack and, and why that has motivated him to build. So if you find what, what Yuri has said interesting or um, Zorp interesting, make sure to go listen to that and uh on on that note yuri we'd really like to thank you for joining us here on the network age i think portal is one of the coolest projects happening in the space and it's been um a blast getting to talk to you about it so thank you so much thanks for having me yeah all right well to everyone out there uh listening at home or or in space or at your your ear, ear nose and throat doctor. doctors before, <laughs> yeah before before you get them vacuumed this this pause is going to sound so much better after you get your wax moved i i promise 
Um, yes, thank you, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Network Age. Thank you for listening. For more Network Age content, you can find us on Twitter at Network Age Pod. We've also got a beautiful new presence online, which you can find at ookbar.network forward slash age. Also, find us on Apple or Spotify, leave us a good review, and we may even read it on air. Until next time, this has been the Network Age.